Good morning, Emmanuel. Good morning. Oh, you guys can do better than that. Good morning. Amen. It's good to see everyone. It's good to see all your smiling faces on this uh, first Sunday service of 2023. Uh, I'm excited about this year, what this year is going to bring for us as a church, the newness, the life, the excitement of everything that's going to take place. And so, although we are few in number, we're mighty in spirit today. Amen. And thank you for uh, the bride, bridal party coming and uh, participating with us today and saw a couple other new faces, so welcome and thank you guys for joining us. Again, as uh, uh, our associate pastor Jim mentioned, uh, I am the discipleship pastor here for those of you who don't know me. And so uh, I just want to thank, as is my custom, I want to thank the elders as well as Pastor Daniel uh, for allowing me this opportunity to share God's word with you today and what God has put on my heart and what I hope will bless you um, today. And normally, thank you, brother. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Normally, uh, on, uh, on first Sunday of the month, we, we take communion together. But uh, communion is a communal event. It's a community event. We're missing so many of our community members. So we're going to take communion together as a family uh, next Sunday. So please be here for that, and we're looking forward to you guys participating. So I'll start out with this. A lot of uh, preachers, and I've been to a lot of different services on New Year's Day or that New Year's message, you know, it's always about renewal, and it's always about a message of resolutions, New Year's resolutions, etc. This is not going to be that. It's just not. But I hope that I'll bless you with a message that'll help some of you see why so many New Year's resolutions fail. Why so many of our goals and activities in our life in general, both in the natural and in the spiritual, our spiritual goals and activities also fail and it wouldn't be for the reason that you might think. So I would ask for your patience as we walk through this together and we examine some scripture and walk through this text today. We'll be in several different texts some of which I'll read quickly, you won't have to follow me, and others I'll ask you to open your Bibles for. And so, uh, yeah, so many of you, I know this is kind of dying out with uh, technology, but um, many of you probably have an end table or a coffee table that probably has magazines laid on them of different genres and different topics and things of that nature. You know, I know when I go to the barbershop, barbershop's always got a ton of magazines laid out, you know, guy stuff magazines and, you know, things of that nature. And I'm way overdue to see the barber, but that's a whole other topic. But the, you know, we, what, what you see often in those magazines is a ton of advertisements. And as you thumb through the pages of those magazines and you look through those advertisements, what do you see? You might see maybe a couple drinking coffee together, lounging in bed, or you might see, you know, someone stringing their, you know, plucking strings of their guitar while they're lounging on the couch, or maybe you see someone picnicking or taking a nice stroll on the beach and things of that nature, right? Well, what are they trying to sell you exactly? I want you to think about that for a moment. In all those advertisements, what are they selling you? Now, you might think that perhaps they're selling you the product, right? Whatever the product is. And you would be partly right. But what they're really selling you is emotions. What they're really selling you is a feeling. 
Because people don't buy stuff to buy stuff. They buy stuff for a feeling. When you buy a new car, how many feel real good when you buy a car? Until you get the bill, right? But you feel good about it. You know, you buy cologne or perfume, and what does the cologne or perfume make you feel? It makes you feel handsome or sexy and beautiful. It just makes you feel something. And so in all these advertisements, they're making you feel an emotion. But here's what they're, most of them are really selling you. Most of them are selling you the Sabbath. Crickets. It's what I expected. What most of them are doing is they're selling you the Sabbath. Now, follow me here, and we're going to talk about this because this is going to be the topic of our conversation today, the Sabbath. How are they selling you the Sabbath? Well, what does the Sabbath mean? What is Sabbath, or in Hebrew, Shabbat? What does that really mean? Well, in Hebrew, it means to stop, to cease, to be done. And so that's what they're really selling you. They're selling you because, guys, we have this yearning in our souls for Shabbat. We have a yearning in our hearts and in our, the very deepest fiber of who we are to stop, to rest, to be done. And all of these marketing companies and all of these agencies around the world, they know you yearn for it and they're trying to sell it to you. But here's the interesting thing, and it's ironic, you don't have to buy it. Amen? Amen? You don't need to buy the Sabbath. You don't need to spend $9.99 on a, you know, a cloth robe so you can enjoy a time of rest or spend half of your paycheck on a couch in order to enjoy Shabbat. You don't need that because it's free. God has given us this. You know what you need to do? You just need to stop. This is what these marketing and advertising agencies are trying to give you. They're trying to satisfy this primal ache in our hearts, in our souls. They want to sell us this life where we're at peace. But if we would just stop, we would find that we could live a life in peace with God, filled with a sense of joy in our lives, and it's nothing new. This isn't something that was just come into creation or existence, guys. This Sabbath, this rest that we find in the text, and we're going to get into the text here in just a moment, goes back to the time of Jesus, back to the time of Moses, and one could even argue pretty solidly, back to creation. And we'll see that in the text here in a moment, that the Sabbath rest It goes all the way back to creation itself, and we're going to talk about that today. So I wanted, this is the text that I want you to open up to today. Go to Matthew 11 for me. We're going to examine several texts today, but this is the one that I want us to read together today. Matthew 11, we're going to read just three short verses here. We're going to read 28 through 30 together today. Now, this is one of Jesus' most famous invitations in all of the Gospels, and we find it in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to read this with you. And then I want to give you a very interesting paraphrase 
from a Presbyterian pastor, a theologian. He's no longer with us. His name is Eugene Peterson. I'll read you his paraphrase in a moment, but let's, let's read this passage together. Again, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And so, Father, I just uh, ask that you grant us uh, revelation and insight as we read your word together as a congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 reads, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now let me read you this pastor's, this minister's paraphrase. I thought it was dynamite. Here's his paraphrase of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, and it almost sounds like an infomercial. Just hear me out here. It's, it's pretty good. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Sounds like an infomercial. Come to me. And this is his paraphrase of Jesus' words. Get away with me and I'll, rec- or, or get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. So the question, are you tired? Which is kind of how he started his paraphrase. It's become somewhat of a rhetorical question for most of us these days, isn't it? If I said that to most of you today, are you tired? <laughs> you know, hello. right? It's such a rhetorical question now. We live that way. Of course you are. Why? Because a level of low-grade exhaustion has become our norm. It's just become the status quo where we're just always feeling a sense of tiredness, a sense of, and not just physical, but spiritual and emotional tiredness and exhaustion. It's just become our status quo. It's become our new normal, but it It doesn't have to be. And there's a couple reasons behind this. Part of it is physical and part of it is spiritual. You see, from the physical standpoint of our body, throughout most of human history, up until really the 20th century, most human beings in the world got 10 to 11 hours of sleep on average. Why? There was no light outside, so you slept. (laughs) Right? And so with the advent of technology and, and, and modern equipment and lighting and electricity and all that, people began to work longer hours and do more longer in the day. And now the average amount of sleep for the average person is six and a half hours. That's probably pretty normal for most of you in this room. How do you function long term on six hours of sleep? I got, I'll be honest with you, I got six hours of sleep last night, and, and we were in bed before midnight, but we had our grandson, so I got six hours, I drove up here, and I was hurting, okay, I don't know how people function on six hours sleep, but anyway, I digress, but now I understand that through, in our lives, there are seasons where that six hours of rest is just unavoidable, I, I get that, my, my son-in-law, my, my daughter, 
have Eden and, and Benny, and Benny's four months old, they're not getting much rest. And anyone who has children or who's had children, you understand that there is a season where that's just unavoidable. But that's not normal. You see, a lack of rest has become far too common for far too many of us for far too long. And this lack of rest is what diminishes us as a person. And when I say this, it diminishes the whole of you. The lack of physical, spiritual, and emotional, emotional rest diminishes the whole of you and it erodes it very slowly and you don't even know it. But it's not just a physical tired. I'm going to use the language of Jesus. It's a soul tired. It's a soul exhaustion that we feel. And you know what happens? Rose and I have, have, have been on vacation now, PTO, it's staycation, if you will, for the last 10 days. We took kind of the last part of the month off. And I worked more. I, got, I need a vacation from our vacation, don't, don't we, honey? <laughs> We did so much work on the farm and so much. I need a vacation from the vacation. But even if you took a vacation and all you did was sleep and you, you caught up on the physical rest, there's a psycho-emotional exhaustion that still never gets fully recharged. There's an exhaustion there in the psycho-emotional. Why? And I want you to think about this for a moment. We live, even on vacation, how many of you actually rest on vacation, even if you go away? Right? Because you're on one excursion or one thing after another after another. And by the time you get home from your vacation, you're exhausted. Why? Because we always live at this go, 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 never stop pace, even when we're on vacation, right? It's this frantic pace of our modern life. Don't even get me started on the noise pollution. There's never any silence in the world. We, we work and live in this always on culture. Like I said, I've been off for the last 10 days or so from work, but I work from home and my work emails come to my phone. I feel like I'm still on. And that's the culture we live in. Not to mention the rising cost of food and, and goods, which causes many of us to have to get a second job to offset those increases in prices. In the digital age, ding, ding, ding. Y'all know what I'm talking about all your notifications it's never off it's information overload all day every day the notifications never stop so when do you rest and don't get me started on the political climate and the, and the political discourse and the division I mean ah guys it's too much for us to carry all of this is, is too much of a burden for us to be able to handle. And that's why we're so tired, both emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We're struggling. And the problem is that chronic exhaustion, as I mentioned, isn't just emotional, it's not even a medical problem, but emotional or exhaustion is a spiritual problem. And some of you might be asking, well, how is my exhaustion a spiritual problem? Because we're followers of Jesus. Full stop. Because we're followers of 
Jesus. Let me read to you. This is the greatest command. Now watch this. I want you to follow me here for a little bit. This is the greatest command that Jesus said in Scripture, citing Torah. Jesus was citing Torah from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says, this is the greatest command. As he was, the Pharisees were challenging him, he says this. He says, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. So for Jesus, the ultimate object of our spiritual journey is a four-letter word. It's love. That is the ultimate end of our spiritual journey. It is the way, that is the metrics that we use to measure our progress as believers is our love. But the more exhausted we are, the more difficult it is to love. The more exhausted we are, the more difficult it is for us to bear spiritual fruit In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says, The worries of life, the deceit of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. If love is the ultimate object and goal of our journey and we're tired, how are we really loving? Is what I ask you and challenge you with today. Here's two really hard truths that a lot of us don't want to hear one number one if you're exhausted you can't really love God I'll say it again if you are exhausted you can't really love God see in the uh, you you could argue that in the text that love and obedience to God is two sides of the same coin. So if you're exhausted, how can you possibly love and obey our living God properly when you're completely exhausted? Here's what I mean. Listen, when you're tired, you're more prone to sin. Think about it. Okay, I'll give it to you scientifically. Scientifically speaking, when you're tired, the energy for your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that controls your impulse, is worn down and you're therefore more impulsive. You're more likely to do something in your exhaustion that you would likely not do if you were well rested. That's science. And so if you're exhausted, you're probably going to do some things that would not honor God. So exhaustion will likely lead to sin. Here's your other hard truth, number two. If you're tired, it'll be difficult to love others. Now, some of my, I'm going to confess, some of my worst moments as a friend, a brother, pastor, a husband and a father have been in my moments of exhaustion where I'm stressed, I'm tired, I'm just worn out and I got nothing left in the tank and I'm short and I'm cross, I'm impatient, I'm selfish with those that I love most and even those who maybe I don't love, but I probably should love, like Jesus, 
I just don't have anything left in the tank. And maybe some of you understand exactly what I mean today. You can't love people if you're tired. And this is not how it's meant to be, guys. This is not what Jesus intended for your life. Jesus did not intend for you to be in this depressed, exhausted, uh, unhappy life, living without any margin. That's not what Jesus intended for your life. That's what the devil intended for your life. And guys, here's a, here's a note. The devil is anti-Sabbath. Okay, he wants you running on fumes. The devil wants you running to burnout. He wants you in that place because where do you end up? In the dark. Because exhaustion only leads you into the dark, never to the light. And that's where the devil wants you. But that is not what Jesus says. Now, as a young man, I grew up in various Christian denominations. And I was never, ever taught the Sabbath. Never. These were Sabbathless churches. And you know what all these churches used to tell me or I used to say? Just to justify their Sabbathless church life was with the cliche saying, and some of you may chuckle when you hear this because you've probably heard this before, well, the devil doesn't rest. Well, that might be true. But the last time I checked, I don't follow the devil. I don't serve the devil. So I'm not doing what the devil does. Amen. Last time I checked, I'm a follower of Jesus. And my Lord and Savior observed the Sabbath. My Lord and Savior is the Lord of the Sabbath. Can someone say amen? Amen. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And the last I checked, Jesus won. We won. So despite the fact that the devil doesn't rest, that's okay because my God told me to rest. Amen? Now, when I, was, um, when I first started out in ministry and the Lord led us to start our small house church, which ultimately led us here to Emmanuel, I was working seven days a week. Nobody taught me about the Sabbath. And no one certainly taught me about the Sabbath as a pastor and how important it is. And I was working seven days a week, teaching four Bible studies a week, preaching on Sunday, coming here to fellowship at Emmanuel. I had nothing left in the tank. You know what I was running on? Pure will. That's it. That's what I was running on. And you know what? I had nothing left in the tank. And to be honest with you, I wasn't giving anything to anyone, certainly not God. And I wasn't given much to those who I was supposed to be serving. If any of you are familiar with Maslow's um, um, hierarchy of needs, at that point in my life, I was running on the lowest, most primitive form of my needs. I was just trying to survive. How many of you understand that today? How many of you understand being in a place where you're just, you're just surviving? I don't have enough for you today, honey. Kids, I don't got it today. daddy's just trying to survive you don't tell that to your kids but you know in your head that that's where you're at I I just want to get to bed I want to get to the next morning I'm just trying to survive here's the interesting thing though 
all of civilized society in the world and for, for eons have been on a seven-day calendar work week. Right? But you know what's interesting about the seven-day week? Is it's not based on any celestial body. What do I mean? Everything else, all of our rhythms of time are based on the celestial bodies. Think about it. 24-hour day is based on what? The rotation of the earth. Our month is based on what? The lunar cycle. And our year is based on what? Our rotation around the sun. But the seven-day week is not. Why? Because it's God's rotation. It's God's rhythm. Are you hearing me? Our seven-day week is God's rhythm. It is what God gave us. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But when it comes to exhaustion, I want to give you guys a metaphor, kind of something I want you to picture in your mind. If all of you have a cell phone and your cell phones probably have the power bar, right? Anybody not familiar with their power bar? I'm sure all of you are. So think about your power bar for a moment. You charge it, and what color is your power bar? Green, right? That means it's probably 80 or 100% in that range. But it's just about fully charged, okay? But what happens often is you let your battery get down to where it says 20% charge, running on low power mode. Some of you all see that message a lot. I know I do. Do you charge your battery? Nope. It's in low power mode and you're not charging it yet. You get another warning. 10%. Charge it. Some of y'all still ain't charging that thing. You guys aren't charging your phones till you get to 1% where you're like, the next text is going to turn this phone off. And that's what we do with our life. That is exactly what we do in our lives. How well can we run when we're existing in the 30 or less? And then what you do is when you finally charge it, you charge it till it goes from red to yellow. And you're like, that's good. I'm going to run with it the rest of the day. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. See you laughing out there. Now, how well can you run on 50? Because you'll quickly deplete back to 30, 20, 10. You never really fully charged. And that's what happens to us in life. We don't rest. And what happens is when we're dangerously down to this 20, 30% of energy that we're living on, this is the constant state of exhaustion that I was talking that most of us are living in today. And we don't rest long enough. We don't get fully charged like we should. And we're living in the 30. There's so much that we miss out on when we're living in the 30. Think about it for a moment. See, the New Testament, what we're missing out on is what the New Testament calls the fruit of the Spirit. Because remember, I told you that our existence, our spiritual journey, the object of it is love. And we can't really love God, and we certainly can't love people if we're not practicing the Sabbath, if we're tired. We can't. And so here's what we miss out on. The New Testament calls it the fruit of the Spirit. And what's the first one? Love. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned, and peace, and and joy, and so much more. This is what we're missing out on. And the best stuff in our lives comes when we're rested. How many people have vision for the future when you're tired? Not one of you. 
How many people of you have real great wisdom and insight when you're tired? None of you. And none of you will certainly say that you have grace for other people or for yourself when you're tired. But these are the things that we're missing out on. See, when we're fully charged, we can have vision for the future. We can exercise grace to our husband, wives, our children, our friends, and those who may seem like they really don't deserve my grace, but you'll give it to them because you're rested and you know that God first gave it to you. And so rest, practicing in the Sabbath is essential to being a disciple of Jesus to being an apprentice. That's what discipleship means. It means to be an understudy of the master teacher who is Jesus. And can anyone honestly say you learn much in school when you're tired? So how can you learn much from the master teacher, the master rabbi who is Jesus when you're in class? You can't. None of us do. And we can't do our work for Christ if we're chronically exhausted. We have to reorient ourselves from away from exhaustion to a way that Christ describes as a life to the full. This is what Jesus describes for us in the text. Now, as I said, Sabbath means the Sabbath, Shabbat means to stop, to cease, to be done. But in context in the scripture, it also means not only to stop, but it means to rest, to delight, and to worship. My, my study group and I are actually going to be walking through the Sabbath for the next two months in our study group. So those of you who are in my study group, you should be taking notes because we're going to talk about this on Friday. <laughs> or go back and watch it. But we're going to be talking about this. But let's, let's open up real quick your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Just open up the front page, flip a couple pages, you'll be in Genesis chapter 2. I want you to read this with me. This is Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read 1, 2, and 3 together as a church. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 says this, thus the heavens and the earth are completed in all their vast array, but the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested from all his work, not some of his work. It says he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Notice, guys, here, God Sabbathed. Yeah, I paused. God Sabbathed. Now, I've read this passage time and time again, but it never really struck me. Again, when I came up as a young Christian, no one ever taught me about Sabbath. And so I read that passage many times as a boy, and I just skipped right over it not truly seeing the significance of this Sabbath day's rest. And so oftentimes, you know, I hear people say, well, listen, I'm an A-type personality, man. I'm a go, 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 make it happen kind of guy. Okay, well, God's Sabbath. I hear people say, well, look, I'm a doer. I got a lot of things going on in my life. 
God's Sabbath. Or I was hear people say, look, you know, I got, a, I got little kids, you know, I'm busy, they're on the go, I, you know, I'm starting a business, whatever, fill in the blank. So what? God's Sabbath. God himself rested from his work, but you think you're above the, the, the activities of God himself? So what? God's Sabbath. So see, in doing so, in, in God the creator doing the Sabbath or, or resting, here's what God did. God built into life a rhythm. There was a rhythm that he built into the fabric of creation that cannot and should not be missed. And every single society, as I mentioned, is built on this rhythm. Every single society has a seven-day work week. Every single society will honor or in some way observe the traditional Sunday for the Western world. For our Jewish brethren, it's the Saturday, is the Sabbath or Shabbat. Right? But everyone has that day. Everyone has it. But most don't take it seriously. See, God created not only our bodies, but all of creation with this rhythm. The planet itself has a rhythm. All of our life is in this rhythm. Don't believe me? Watch this. There's a rhythm of day and night. Waking and sleeping. There's a rhythm of the noisy activity of the spring, which if you're a gardener and farmer and being outside, you understand that. And then the silence of the dorm, dormant time of winter. There's the rhythm of the water and land sloshing back and forth in the waves. There is even this rhythm of our own bodies as we take a moment and everyone do it. We ex inhale and we exhale. There's even rhythm in our breath. But here's what happens. When we lose the rhythm we lose part of our humanity. And if you lose the rhythm of the Sabbath, if you lose the rhythm that God has built into creation through the Sabbath, you lose part of your humanity. You lose part of who you are when you're go, go, go 24-7. That's not how you were designed. God designed you and all of creation with a rhythm. We work for six, we rest for one. We work for six, we rest for one. God built this rhythm into who we are. We are not machines, beloved, despite how well you think you can go and multitask. We are not machines and we're not designed that way. And when we live without Sabbath, we live outside of the order of God. We live outside of his rhythm of creation that he built into our bodies and that he built into the very fabric of creation. We must not avoid the Sabbath rest because it is a command. It wasn't just a nice to have. The Sabbath is not a nice to have. And I'll prove it to you. Go to Exodus 20. Turn your Bibles there really quickly with me. Go to Exodus 20. The Sabbath is not optional. Shabbat is not an optional thing. God commanded it to us to observe Shabbat. Okay? To practice this. 
So let's read this. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verse 8 through 11. Here are a few of you still turning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. And it reads, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, or but the seventh day, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, the Sabbath just isn't a good idea, guys. It's not just something that we can do as an option. No, guys, the Sabbath was commanded by the creator of the universe, the Lord God Almighty. In fact, of all the Ten Commandments here, if we were to make a pie chart around, it's around 37% of these commandments, or rather this scripture, rather, is around 37% of all of the total commandments. It's the longest commandment in the text. Think about that. The longest commandment in the 10 is the Sabbath. Here's an interesting fun fact for you as well. The Sabbath sits in between the three commandments, the first three, which is about our relationship with God, and the last six, which is about our relationship with each other. And what stands in the middle? The Sabbath. Because it is in observing a Sabbath day rest that we can be fully charged to engage both in God and engage both with people. God did not mistakenly place the Sabbath in the middle of his commands, beloved. It was strategic that God did that. Because without rest, we cannot serve God or serve people. All right, we're going to start to wrap this message up, and I, and, I, and I hope you've been blessed by this, and I'm going to invite the worship team up here in just a moment. See, our problem, guys, is, is not that we have too many rules for observing a Sabbath day's rest. Now, I am not standing here saying that we have to observe the Sabbath and the Shabbat in the ways that our Jewish brothers and sisters customarily and traditionally do. That's not what I'm saying, although there's nothing inherently wrong with that. What I am saying is that Shabbat was intended to give us rest, give us time with family, give us time with community, and to enjoy one another. This is what Shabbat, and enjoy time with God, to worship, to praise. This is what Shabbat was intended for. And this is what we should still be doing. So it isn't that there are too many rules. The problem with the Sabbath is that there aren't any. That we have totally dismissed and treated Shabbat as if it's a sidebar. As if it's not needed. I can get by without it. But listen, the Sabbath is a gift. And it's a gift that should be received and embraced 
Jesus is referred to as the Lord of the Sabbath. And it is on the cross that we find our rest. But we have to really enjoy that rest if we're going to live life in the full. I'm going to close. I'll invite the worship team up as I begin to close my message today. So there's a couple of things that we should remember as we close today. As we, as we embark on 2023, and so many of you today, if you're like me, you're probably tired. And you're, maybe some of you are emotionally worn out. Maybe some of you are physically, maybe even spiritually worn out today. And that's okay. Because Jesus is where we find rest. He is where we find hope. This is what we remember. We remember that there is a creator God and that we live in his world. We can remember today that there is a rhythm to creation. I want you to also remember this. We don't stop when we're finished. Now, hear me when I say this because this is important. We don't stop when we're finished. You know why? Because we're never finished. It's, it's never done. It's never enough. I tell my wife that back there all the time, baby. I tell you all the time, honey, it's never enough to stop. We don't stop when we're finished because we're never finished. We stop because the rhythm of God and that he built into us tells us to stop. It's never done, guys. Some of you will just work, 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 because there's always something to do, and you forget about the Sabbath rest. But I also want you to remember that we are not what we do. We are not what we have. We are not what other people think about us. You know what we are? We are people who are deeply loved by the Almighty God. That is who we are. And if we are people loved, and Derek, if you would begin just playing softly for me. If we are people who are loved deeply by an almighty creator God who made us in his image, who set things in place for our own good and for our health and existence, we can remember today that our life with God is not a right. Do you hear me when I say this? Your life with God is not a right. It is a gift. And along with that gift of being in the presence of a holy God, he gave you the gift of Sabbath. He says, come to me and find your rest. All you who are weary, who are burdened, find your rest in me, for I am the Lord of the Sabbath. We can remember that the world, yes, is full of evil, and yes, it is full of injustice, 
but it's also full of the goodness and the beauty of God. If we would just tear through the minutia of all of it and see the goodness of God that's waiting to shine through in your life, if you will only remember, if you will only stop and rest in the Sabbath, remember that we owe it to God, all of it, all of it is owed to him and that because he sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me, that we can sing praises of joy and gratitude because of what he has done. That despite my exhaustion, I can still push through and find rest in him. Despite of all the struggles in my life, he still loves me and wants me to rest in him. And so I operate my life, no matter what is going on, full of joy and the presence of God. Beloved Sabbath, as I make my final remarks, is more than just the day. The Sabbath is a way of being in the world. The practice of a Sabbath day, which I encourage you to find a way to incorporate a Sabbath day into your life's rhythm. But the practice of a Sabbath day of rest by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in our life is essential. A practice by which we begin to undergo this shift from restlessness to restfulness. Amen? From hurry to peace, from busyness to margin, from burnout to sustainable, from noisy to quiet, distraction to clarity, isolation to solitude. And I leave you with that today. Please, as you begin this year, I encourage every single one of you watching online and those of you here today to build into your life a practice of Shabbat. And it will transform your life where you will honor and worship and praise and rest in the joy of the Lord. I want to thank you guys for listening to this message today and I hope that it blessed you. I want to pray and then I'll allow the worship team to lead us out. But I want to thank you guys for not thinking it robbery of your day, getting up early after probably a long evening for most of you to come here today, hear God's word and worship together. So I want to thank you. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, creator of the heavens and earth, we thank you this day, Lord, for seeing us worthy enough to fill this house with your presence. That as we embark on a new year, Lord, we can take moments in our day or take a day to rest our hearts, our minds, our soul, all that we are, that we could rest in you. 
I ask today, Lord, that you bless all those who are hearing this message and strengthen us for the journey ahead. Quicken our spirits, Lord, and give us the strength to endure whatever we will face in this coming year. We can do nothing without you, but everything with you. And so we love you this day. We bless you and praise you. And the people of God say, Amen. Thank you guys so much.